This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Well, welcome along to Betting Weekly Extra Time International Edition. Our handicappers were informed for the first tranche of matches as World Club Soccer across the top divisions paused. And as the group stages wrap up for Euro 2024 qualifying, we've got more value advice on the way. Plus, we tackle the biggest game in South America at national team level as the Super Classico takes place at Estadio Maracanã in Rio. You're with myself, Dan Roebuck, while senior handicapper Steve Wiss and Italian football journalist and broadcaster Daniele Fisichella are alongside me to cover the final games of the calendar year that feature countries rather than clubs. Uh, Steve, followers of the show have had a profitable international break so far, but I suspect that some might not have. We've had three nations that have been sent off at minus 3,000, all shorter and none have covered the main Asian line, England, Portugal and Spain. And for those looking at overs, and looking for one team to win by three and a half, four and a half or so on. That's not been great, has it? Well, hello, Dan, and hello, uh, Danielli. Uh, First thing to say, this has been a very profitable show, the international show. And this man alongside me here, Danielli Fischer-Keller, was brilliant last time he was on. I think you were a clean sweep, Danielli. Uh, More profit. Uh, Ruri had an excellent round. I managed to break level, thanks to Uruguay. And the profit is plus 6.23 on this show from nice. 30 bets. That's 20.77% ROI, Dan. So this has been a really good show. But you are right, um, depending how you staked. And I'll be honest, I the two Iberian teams really cost me in uh, a few days ago. Portugal especially. Spain went 3-0 up and then decided that was enough. There's been several other teams that... I mean, we talked about motivation on the last show and I kind of dismissed it a little bit, didn't I? But I think you may well have had a point, actually. There are some teams that are on the beach. They're on holiday. They're not that bothered. And um, I actually underestimated it a bit. I've got to be honest. So I, I'm not going to go anywhere near these big handicaps now. Um, so um, perhaps it's a lesson learned for the future. But some of these sides are so bad, you just presume that even if they're on the beach, they can still rack up the score. Um, but clearly not. It is. It's difficult to know sometimes how motivated certain players are. Coaches obviously always want to win, but unlike betters, they're not bothered about covering Asian lines. Is it, Daniele, because teams have already qualified? Is there a qualification fatigue that sets in? I mean, Italy did cover the Asian line, but they needed to win. Sometimes you've got to try and work out exactly what nations need and whether it matters or not for these big score lines to happen. Well, I think it's mainly because of two reasons. Because of the level of European football, I think has increased overall. So top nations find it extremely harder and harder to beat the so-called minnows. 
Luca San Marino, they scored in two consecutive games for the first time since 2005, and they almost drew against Denmark in the previous round. And the second reason is that even if when it seems there is nothing at stake, there is actually something at stake because UEFA have worked out such a complex system for the getting into the playoff that you need three degrees in economy to understand them. And it's, be, it's beyond me. Apart from knowing that Poland and Georgia are definitely going to be in the playoff, there are so many other combinations with nations that are rather better losing than winning, and we talk about it later. But also, the seeding for the draw that is going to take place on the 2nd of December is going to be determined not by the FIFA ranking this time, but by the overall position in the different group qualifications. So, if there are six spots and one is already uh, been assigned to Germany, a city team, there are five teams competing for, sorry, there are uh, eight teams competing for five city pots. So finishing top and having a good uh, points tally, it matters a lot when you want to avoid a group of deaths. So there are a lot of, com of complex calculation to go into it. And uh, I don't think nobody's going to be throwing the towel just yet. Yeah, I'm absolutely confused. <laughs> I, like your wafer, just I mean, I, one thing I will say at least it's something different rather than the bog standard rankings and things. But I mean, someone was asking me who's going to be in the playoffs the other day, and I just my, my answer was, I just don't know. Let's just wait and see what happens. We'll get the draw. I mean, Estonia, I think, are still in the mixer to, to be in the playoffs in some sort of capacity. Moldova and Kazakhstan could still qualify yes. directly which is unbelievable with one game to go. Uh, there's a very yeah. some, some strange dynamics going on in European football, Dan, and um, I, I'm a little bit... That's just why but, I'm staying in South America. Dave, Dave you, did put, you did put this question earlier in a group. How come these teams that, that were considered bad have become mm. better? I thought about it, and I think the answer is the internet. I mean, not just because they look at the internet all the time, but 25 years ago, 30 years ago, some teams, especially in the Eastern Europe, were not as tactically advanced as the England, Germany, France, Portugal, etc. But now, with the knowledge that is at your fingertip, and there's been much more um, diffusion of tactics, courses, I'm sure you can, you, 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 you can look at YouTube videos, how to gag and press. I mean, in the last World Cup, uh, Costa Rica were gag and pressing. So I think that has raised the level a little bit higher, having access to all that knowledge. Of course, the difference is made by the superstars, and obviously some countries don't have them. It's it's interesting. There are so many different ways that you can qualify for competitions and certainly everything has to be taken in consideration when you're trying to find winners. We are recording ahead of Saturday's games. Nine money minus money favourites uh, have cashed. Four have failed to win. If you've been level staking across those minus money favourites, you would have lost money. It's not easy, even though there are some short prices out there. Let's start our previews, shall we? And this is a big one we're going to kick off with. This is Ukraine against Italy in Group C. This is Monday. Monday, 2.45 Eastern, Ukraine plus 3.20, Italy minus 109. There has been a little bit of money for Italy uh, since they beat North Macedonia yesterday. The draw is plus 2.65 at the moment. This is a massive game, Daniele, in Leverkusen. Just reminders of the permutations, what Italy, Ukraine need to do here. Italy needs to avoid defeat in Leverkusen to be assured to finish second behind England. Ukraine needs to win to qualify directly, although they might still go through by the playoff and they seem to have uh, decent chances. 
That's how it stands at the moment. A scare, Daniele, for Italy against North Macedonia. While I was not watching the game, but just watching the scores come in, I thought, well, 3-0, Daniele's going to be happy. Then he went 3-1, then 3-2. I thought, crikey, what is happening here? But that Chiesa quote after the game suggesting, look, this is the way that we play now. This is not a generation or so ago. This this is how we're going to play. We're going to take chances. We're going to score more goals. Is that right? Do you think... We're seeing I think, Italy in a minute. Yeah, I think Spalletti initially in the first game against Macedonia six games ago, when he debuted, he was a little bit conservative, but now he's been much, much bolder when he's approached. And so are the play, the players. And Chiesa exemplifies the way Italy wants to play. He plays on the attack, has got chances, create chances, had a lot of shots, scored two. And I think Italy switched off at the back yesterday against North Macedonia. They probably see themselves already winning of the game. So it was a little bit of a self-inflicted pain. But to be fair, Macedonia, I don't think they were, North Macedonia, sorry, they were not worth the two goals. They were coming in a little bit of lucky circumstances. But good reaction from Italy after the 3-2. They start, they kept going and they went for the fourth on the fifth. Has to be said after the three nil Spalletti started to make some changes perhaps a little bit too early but obviously wants to preserve the legs for the key game against Ukraine on Monday a generation ago if Italy needed a, a draw they would get yeah. a draw and no more I mean it was just a given wasn't it and a, you know a good few years ago we saw and I don't know if we still see it now Daniele but last games of the season uh in in Italian top yeah. flight and second team you'll get an odds you'll, you'll get the draw at odds on I mean that's not going to happen here, I don't think. And just talk us through your play, because you are suggesting that Italy are going to stick to their new principles here. Yes, I think Italy under Spalletti will be hardly being speculative, playing on the counter-attack, will hardly be defensive. They'll still go out with a 4-3-3 formation with two attacking wing wingers like Chiesa and probably uh, Berardi. We might see very few changes from the teams a bit Macedonia because that's the way Spalletti wants them to play, he wants to apply high pressure, wants to be smart with the ball and they need to make up for the absence of a superstar player with a collective play. So these are the principle that also Mancini applied in his tenure, which were very successful up until that defeat against North Macedonia in the World Cup uh, playoffs. So my selection here is a both to score uh, minus 112, uh, sorry, minus 122. So uh, because obviously Ukraine is the win, but not just because of that. I mentioned Italy defensively. They're also missing a few players, Di Lorenzo, Bastoni. They only kept two clean sheets in qualifiers against Malta. So they are susceptible of the switching off. They got lapses of concentration. But I'm focusing more on Ukraine. It is a team and is a nation that footballing-wise has defeated the odds for the last 19 months. We don't have to hear to remember what they have achieved, but they've been incredible and they are also incredibly proud, incredibly fit, incredibly young. If you compare them uh, to Italy, they not only play at European levels with Shakhtar Donetsk, there are nine players in the selection that play with Shakhtar Donetsk who recently beat Barce Barcelona, but you have the likes of, um, of course, uh, Zinchenko, Mudrik, uh, Zabarni, Mikolenko, all play in the Premier League. It is going to be a side that I think is cooking something for us. They got such an amazing uh, record at home as well. They are unbeaten in 14 home matches since October 2020, including the games that they played 
just namely at home, and they only they lost the last qualifier at home in 2017 against Croatia. Uh, at the San Siro, they lost to one. They made a few mistakes. We're trying to play from the back, perhaps mistakes of inexperience. But going forward, they also gave Italy a few scares there. I stick with the both to score. Hopefully, it's going to be a one-one draw, and uh, we'll all be happy. <laughs> it's an interesting one, isn't it, Daniele? Um, Steve was just talking about the home record for for Ukraine. Obviously. They're not playing in Ukraine, as Daniele alluded to there, and they have got used to it. You know, they 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 have got their own support. It's not as if this is a new thing. It's all factored into the price, and they are performing in their uh, new home at the moment. I guess, aren't they? I'm a little bit surprised that Italy are odds on to win this game because they don't need to win. Um, I, I think they'll get the result they need because I actually. I quite like what I'm seeing from this new version of Italy. They actually can be good to watch, even if they don't always win games. Um, it's got to be some excitement with Italian uh, fans now, surely, uh, with this manager in charge. So, uh, But you know what? I've underestimated Ukraine teams before on this neutral territory. Um, everyone's really getting behind them, and, and they'll they'll fight like lions. I, I think I think Ukraine will find a way to this tournament, whether you know it's via the playoffs or... You know, you can't rule them out beating Italy, I suppose, here. But I do believe uh, this looks like... Um, I think what Giannielli's done really well here is got ahead of the curve. Everyone's presuming, oh, boring, boring Italy. They'll play for the nil-nil. They'll get the, the draw like that. But under this new regime, I think uh, the draw's more likely to be two or than nil-nil, isn't it? Well, that would suit us as well, I guess, because we've got both teams to score as the play here. Let's continue in Group C with North, Ma uh, North Macedonia against England. England have been backed over the course of the last six hours or so. Um, they weren't great against Malta by any stretch of the imagination. They are minus 7.25 to win this one. Again, Monday, 2.45 Eastern. North Macedonia are uh, plus 2,000 here. Um just on this game, uh, Daniele, just talk about North Macedonia again because you obviously saw them against uh, Italy because you are suggesting here that England, however bad they were against Malta, will be better against North Macedonia here. Is this more to do with England having to be better than they were against Malta or more to the fact that you've seen North Macedonia and they're not very good? Both, because North <laughs> Macedonia didn't impress me. I think in the reverse fixture against Italy, they had a clear game plan, whereas they didn't have it against in the at the Olimpico. And in the first leg, they were a bit more proactive and knew how to take their chances when they come here. They sat back, launched the ball forward far too many times. They were also a little bit depleted, especially in defense. Yes, and those those two goals, they're a little bit lucky because the second is a massive deflection from Acerbi. The first one, Italy, Italy switches off, but yeah, they looked far too vulnerable. At the back, look, I think the Macedonian record is poor, whereas England, on the other hand, yes, they've been poor against Malta, but to be fair, it's difficult to get motivated, I think, against Malta at home, um, although it was in front of a big crowd and there were some individual records to pursue. But, you know, the history of England, the qualifiers, we talked about this in the last uh, previous show, always finished top in the qualifiers since uh, 2012, top of the group, World Cup and Euros qualifiers, hasn't lost a qualifier game since 20 November, 21st November 2007. And again, I think I go back to the point I made before, Qualifying first of the group and with a good point tally, I think England can get up to 22 points if they win this one. It's going to be so important. Sorry, 21, see, 22 points. 
it's going to be so important because of the seeded place. Only five seeded plays in, in place because Germany has already got one. And you look at the likes of Spain, France, Portugal are likely to have the same amount of points or more than uh, England. Then if Turkey wins, they're going to get 20 points. So you need to finish top. It's so important. England, I think, is going to do the job. They're going to be a couple of changes as well. But recently, they've done it time and time again. They've traveled to Eastern European countries, the likes of Bulgaria, Montenegro. They won. That, that, that's, what, that's what they normally do. I'm going to go for a national handicap minus two here for the visitors. Minus under 105. Minus 105 uh, with uh, England giving up two goals. Steve, your thoughts on England? Well, the match against Malta was absolutely turgid. Uh, when I first saw Daniele liking this minus two Asian, I was thinking, hmm, I'm not sure. But the more you think about it, what happens is when England get criticised, and they have been badly, you know, Southgate, Mr. Boring, etc. The next game, he's often eager to prove a point to kind of show, oh, this is what we can do. So there's definitely more of a chance that England to bang up for this. And uh, Macedonia might be a bit flat after that match against Italy as well. I mean, Gareth Southgate... You know, I've said many times he he is the worry, isn't he, for England? Really, heading into the next into the Euros, I'm just not sure he's got it in in the big games all the time. Um, he actually lives only about six miles away from me, Gareth Southgate. By the way, his son once played in my uh, cricket league, so yeah, uh, if I ever, I might, you know, if I ever see him, I might just say something. You know, <laughs> yeah, give him a be pull. bold, Gareth, be bold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but is, is it isn't that what you need? I think he made he made England a qualifying machine. You never gonna miss a qualifier. You're becoming as good as Spain. Always qualifying. Before him, we know we had your troubles. And at the end of the day, in big tournaments, it's fine margins. I mean, he was a penalty away from winning the Euros. Okay, Italy were better in the final, and uh, a penalty away from going to the semi-final or into extra time against France. So it's really the fine margins. Uh, I, I don't think you could find anyone better, or at least anyone better who's English on the market right now. He's done very well, don't get me wrong. And I think this is when, as, as English fans, we nitpick, for example, that final against Italy, 1-0 up. I just personally felt we were just too defensive, sat back too much. And then I think, for me, team selection against France. But you're right, it comes down to small margins, and France are an exceptional team. Um, but that's that's the nature of the beast with England. Until we actually win something against Danielli, we're always going to be criticising. So but, um, I mean, that's, that's, the that's the way it goes, isn't it? <laughs> uh, plus 400, England, for Euro 2024. Glory, France, plus 400. Incidentally, as well, Italy, defending champions, plus 1,600. Uh, let's talk South American qualifiers. Uh, Steve's got some picks for us here, but we'll get uh, some thoughts from Daniele as well uh, on the Super Classico Brazil-Argentina. We're going to start, though, with Uruguay-Bolivia. This is 6.30 Tuesday Eastern Uruguay minus 1000, Bolivia plus 3300, draw plus 870 here. Uruguay, uh, Steve, as you've been pointing out throughout this qualification campaign, um, have been flying. And uh, the results against uh, Brazil and most recently Argentina, I, I guess, prove that. I didn't see the game. Did they deserve that success in, uh, in midweek? I, I thought so. I thought it was a really good tactical setup again. Uh, Bielsa is is a miracle worker, like I said. Beat Brazil and Argentina back to back. Um, prior to that, they got a draw against Colombia. He's adapting really well to different games, and this is a completely different game to what it, the last two have been at home against Bolivia. It should be a very convincing win for Uruguay. 
the bet I'm going to advise here is over three goals at minus 114. You could look at the uh, Uruguay handicap, but I, I just think Bolivia are going to come here and have a go, to be honest. Bolivia, shout out to Bolivia. They won a game um, in the previous round. They beat Peru 2-0. I had a feeling it might happen. They're not as bad as their results suggest, you know, in my opinion, but they have a horrible record away from home. So this should be a Uruguay blowout. But I prefer the goals because I think Bielsa is going to revert to his more madness sort of tactics and system here. He'll be going for as many goals as he can. Um, the game should be quite wide open. And unless there's plenty taken out of their legs after the Argentina game, this should be um, a, a really uh, good game to watch, actually. There's, there's a crazy head-to-head. -head. The last three matches between the two sides at this venue in World Cup qualifiers have all ended in a 4-2 win for Uruguay. Can you believe that? 70-1, to if you fancy the 4-2 correct score again. The big problem will be uh, getting Bolivia to score twice, I think. But, but I do think the visitors can get on the score sheet. I think they'll be a bit confident after their win. Maybe a bit too overconfident, perhaps. Uh, but Uruguay, I think we're looking like uh, a 3-1 or 4-1 home win. So I prefer to take the goals than the handicap in this one, Dan. Uh, I drop in outright prices, futures prices, and... No one ever really takes them. Everybody wants to keep their powder dry. No one knows who's going to qualify, what sort of groups they're going to be in when we get to the finals. It's a long way out, uh, summer 2026. But I'll put this to both of you. I mean, 40 to 1 Uruguay plus 4,000. I mean, they're not the worst bet. If they top that South American qualification uh, group, Daniele, I mean... <laughs> potentially they could be half the price. I'm not saying they're going to win it. All I'm saying is she could have a value play. Have you got any thoughts on Uruguay, Daniel? Well, I think the work that Marcelo Bielsa is doing is remarkable because it is true that he's got a side with some good players, some star players, Darwin Nunez and Valverde. But if you look also at the other place that he has recalled, I mean, Vigna struggled to get a game for Roma Caceres, I mean, he's been he's been around the block a while, so it's also about trying to find uh, the right players and the right balance as well. How vast is the uh, the pool that uh, Bielsa can select from? I mean, how big is going to be his squad? Starting eleven wise, I think is fine, but always be careful. There might be a couple of injuries away from being seriously depleted. Steve, worth the play at forties. Yes, I think so for a bit of value. But um, you know, the tournament I'm eyeing them up for is the Copper America in the summer of 2024 because I think at the minute the Brazil and Argentinas of this world are not in great shapes. Um, might not even be that focused in that tournament. Mexico might not even be in it. Um, uh, USA are going to be there, of course. So that'll be. I'm hoping. Um, you know, we might even be covering that tournament. Dan come the summer, but um, I think it's a great time now for Uruguay to strike and win something. So, um, but it is an interesting generation of players, as Messi said after the game. He, he, Bielsa's inherited a great, uh, a really intriguing bunch of individuals who could develop during this period. I'm surprised Messi had anything nice to say about him after what they were saying yes. about him. Anyway, let's uh, move on and read a poll in particular. Uh, Brazil-Argentina is the Super Classico at national team level. Tuesday, 7.30 Eastern. Brazil plus 160. Argentina plus 215. The draw plus 195. Massive game, Steve, uh, in Rio. They didn't play in Rio 
or in Brazil for the previous World Cup qualifiers. It was called off as Argentine players walked off because of a COVID row. So we haven't seen them competitively in Brazil, these two, for quite some time here. And I was looking back through some of the stats as far as I could go. And Brazil at plus 160, I think that this is the biggest price they have ever been for a home World Cup qualifier since we started to get odds. I, I don't know if it's true. I've gone back as far as I can go about 20 years with, but I can't imagine that they've been bigger, as big as 160. And it's because they're in poor form at the moment, Steve. They are. And um, the, the match against Uruguay, they lost a few uh, in the previous round. That was the worst Brazil performance I've ever seen myself with my own eyes. They were awful. And they weren't an awful lot better against Colombia. Um, I think they're quite an ordinary side. You know, you're not going to get that much love on for, for Brazil on this show unless Daniele is going to be enjoying them. But um, they're just they're not that that great. They've not how many real X Factor players have they got right now? Vinicius Junior is injured until February, by the way. He came off in the Colombia game, so that's one of those players that can maybe make something happen. Ruled out. I'm just not convinced by them. I suppose I'd better uh, describe the bet for the game. And um, unusually for me, I'm actually going unders. I'm tipping an unders. I'm always more comfortable betting on unders in international football than domestic uh, football. Under two goal line. So this is an Asian goal line of two. If there's two goals exactly, it'll be a push. So need zero or one goals for this bet to cash. But it's going to be so cagey. The last time these two sides met, it was nil-nil. I mean, there's going to be start, stop, start, stop. There's not going to be much actual time for football to be played, in my opinion, Dan. There's no no one's released a cards line yet for this game. I don't think anyone dares. But <laughs> they could be they could be nine or ten cards here. Um, you know, get on the overs for that. Neither team's going to want to lose. It'd be a terrible time for either side to lose this game, especially Brazil. So the pressure's on them. I think the draw is well worth backing. I'm not a, a draw backer, but this could well be nil nil again. Or or one one, um, I just don't see this game opening up. Defenses are, at the moment, both these sides are actually better in defense, in my opinion. I, I don't think offensively they've got. I mean, Messi obviously can't underestimate him, but how sharp is he? You know, he's not. He's been playing league matches for a while. This just feels like a real feisty game, possibly a red card somewhere. Not that many chances. The two good goalkeepers, I might add as well who um, that can really contribute towards the under. So I'm just struggling to see where the golds are going to come from in this game, Dan, really. And uh, I'm really leaning strongly towards that, that draw in this game. So under two Asian goals for me at minus, minus 109 is the price. Yeah, the draw is just under two to one at plus 195. I'm sure a cards line will come out if it's anything like the Copa Libertadores final, which was between the Brazilian and Argentine side, then it could be fairly high. Uh, Daniele, any thoughts on the Super Classico in Rio? But first of all, I'll say that they're going to be fine. They're going to qualify because for the first time in the South American qualification, six teams qualify and the seventh go to the playoff because obviously there are 16 more teams in the next World Cup. So I'm sure you're going to be all right. But worrying for Brazil because uh, there are doubts, of course, about uh, who the next coach is going to be. There are doubts around Fernando Diniz, who's considered one of the best coaches in Brazil, uh, won the Libertadores recently with uh, Fluminense and now lost two games in a row 
probably he tries to apply a type of football that is not being assimilated very quickly. A lot of short passes, a lot of movements. He might need a little bit more of time with his group of players, but does he have time? He only had maybe 20, 25 training sessions altogether. But also when you look at the midfield, that's where Brazil struggles and has struggled to, um, to dominate games. Andre, only three caps for Brazil. Then you got Bruno Guimarães, Douglas Luiz, Joe Linton, only four caps, and Rafael Vega, who played for Palmeiras, 20 years old, only five caps. No Casimiro, no, one Je oh, no Jesus up front, no Neymar, 79 goals for La Canarinha. So obviously, it is a side that lacks also that kind of experience. Defeated for the first time in qualifiers ever by Colombia, lost for the first time in 22 years against Uruguay. This is going to be a crucial, crucial game. A win here, maybe Dinitz might even stay, because I know not many people want Ancelotti as a permanent manager when it comes to Argentina. Perhaps they're a little bit more settled, a little bit more stable. By the way, that was only the first defeat after 14 winning games against Uruguay, but also were never in control. Scaloni did a bit of turnover, uh, rested Di Maria and Martinez initially, I think, is going to play this one. Mm, the defense, the back line of Argentina with Otamendi and Romero, it's never convinced me, but you need to give them credit. It's pretty much the same 11 who won the World Cup. Uh, yes, I'm going to go for an under here. If I have to choose under 2.5 goals, under 3 goals, yeah, very, very scrappy. So a scrappy um, affair in the Super Classico. That will come of no surprise uh, to many. Uh, one more official pick from uh, Steve, which is Peru-Venezuela. This is Tuesday, 9 p.m. here. Peru plus 120, Venezuela plus 275. You tipped to Venezuela, draw no bet in midweek. Steve, not tempted to go again with a draw no bet here? Yeah, I would. I was, I was quite tempted, actually, on the plus 0.25 Asian handicap, but... Uh, the pick I'm advising again is another under, and you're probably wondering if there's anything wrong with me down here because this is not very usual that you would get me to tip two unders in a show. But uh, under two goals, under two Asian goals again, is is the advice from me. This could be another nil nil. Peru are possibly the worst team in South America right now. Certainly offensively, they are offering absolutely nothing. They've had one shot on target in five games. Um, in fact, they've only actually had 23 shots in those five games so far. So offensively, they're offering nothing. They're not too bad at the back. They don't give up that many chances. Um, but they've got one point on the board, which was a nil-nil draw. Um, even Brazil have beaten them. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting a bit harsh on Brazil on the show already. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it, 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 took me a split, it took me a split second to get that, but very good. But um, you know, Venezuela will come here with every right to think they can get a result. But the problem for Venezuela, they never qualified for a World Cup. I think the pressure might be starting to get on them a little bit. The nil-nil against Ecuador, they were starting to get a bit tetchy. Um, just a few signs for me. And Peru know this is their last chance saloon, really. They've got to beat Venezuela at home if they're going to have any chance of qualifying. so But how can Peru win a game of football? It's looking like 1-0 is the only way at the moment, and that's what they'll probably play for. So I just this is going to be such a tight, low-scoring game. There's nothing really from either team that's suggesting goals. Peru can't score. Venezuela have really good XGA, just 3.889 XGA in, um, in the five games. So they're defensively stout. Um, the only real, real worry would be if Venezuela managed to do quite well offensively, but I don't really see that happening either. It, it just screams to me. I don't see more than two goals done. Um, just the way the style, lack of offensive quality, 
probably on both sides, really. Um, will it end nil-nil? I don't know whether Peru can allow that to happen. But I suppose that it's better than what they've been doing recently. So, under two Asian goals again. Um, you know, this is a low goal line, but I just don't see anything that suggests this will this will contain that many goals. But in, in fairness to Peru and to their head coach, Reynoso, who obviously has taken the team backwards a little bit. I was speaking to some friends in Peru before the show. But if you think about the crop of players that he's got, I couldn't name a famous Peruvian players. Whereas in the previous World Cup, at least a couple of two or three. I mean, they still got Paulo Guerrero, 29 year, 39 years old, who came off the bench. Gianluca Lapadula plays for Cagliari. Advincula plays for Boga Juniors. But really, there isn't much to select there. A lot of experience in terms of international cups uh, when it comes to the Peru squad, but not... Uh, There's no pace in of, the squad. There's no great deal of quality, um, no pace. All. Yeah, it's, mm. it's just... Yeah, he screams under to me as well. Perhaps Venezuela, yeah, drawing a bet or having the upper hand. Don't at me, Peru fans. It's Stephen Daniele that are taking your squad to task here. Don't uh, worry, what... Danny. With the Brazil fans, we all after me now. Yes, uh, after this uh, last two shows, so. uh, we've got one uh, one lean, and we go to uh, the Asian World Cup qualifiers here. Nice to dip into Asia here. This is an interesting one. It is uh, Syria against Japan. This match being uh, taking place in, in, in Saudi Arabia. Steve, all yours. You might be wondering, as my quail in the background gets very excited with this pick, um, but, but um, you might be wondering why I was even looking at this game. Well, because it was one of the few that Bet Rivers has actually priced up for um, for this day um, of games. But um, we're getting to the stage where I'm I'm getting interested in some of the African and Asian qualifying groups. Whenever Japan are involved, Japan play one way. No matter what the game, competitive or friendly, they're so offensive. If you remember this from the World Cup as well. Um, large majority of their games in the last 12 months have had at least three goals in them. And um, I think Syria against Japan could be an over three. This is just a lean. Um, but just that's just based on how Japan play their, their soccer. They, they warmed up for this with a 5-0 win against Myanmar. But believe it or not, they didn't even cover their Asian line there. It was minus seven. So, um, but they've usually got plenty of goals in them. Syria, I can't profess to know any, anything about them, Dan. Um, so I apologise to Syria fans out there. But I just based, an over three goal line just looked low compared to how I know Japan play their football. So, uh, yeah, a little, little lean into the Asian qualifiers. Cool. Uh, that's 9.45 Eastern on Tuesday. Also in their group, incidentally, North Korea and Myanmar and... We always talk about tough places to go. And I would suggest that Syria, North Korea and Myanmar is about as tough as you're going to get in a qualifier. Obviously, you know, they don't over, play Overall, there. overall. <laughs> Can I give you a, neat, a nice place to go, Dan? I was looking at the, well, the African, at the African <laughs> qualifiers. Seychelles got beat 9-0 oh. by Ivory Coast. And they're playing their host. Seychelles away. I'll, I'll, I'll put myself now, down. What a great one. place to go that must be. <laughs> Seychelles away. Lovely place. Horrible, awful football team. There you go. That's the that's yeah, a nice place I'll to go. Put myself down for that one. Uh, best bets of uh, the session, Danielli. Um, you put up a two. You put up a couple for us. What's your, what's your best play? I stick with Italy, both to score in the Ukraine game minus one hundred twenty-two. And Steve, I think it's the Super Classico: Brazil, Argentina under two goals. Brilliant. Uh, that wraps up Betting Weekly Extra Time International Edition. Plenty to go at globally and stay across all of our content on our YouTube channel. Many thanks to Steve and Danielli from all of us. For now, it is goodbye.